Hold on. Am I on? You're on. Oh, great. I thought I was... I'm, 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 my, my computer's all weird right now. I have a dream. This nation will rise up. Live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created in. Uh, the Hispanic community, they use us for political gain, and but they don't care about immigrants, they don't care about women, they don't care about people of color. I've said it before and I'll say it again, democracy simply doesn't work. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It's the Ricochet Podcast with Peter Robinson and Rob Long. I'm James Lilix. Our guest is Ann Coulter. Ha! Watch us try to get a word in edgewise. Let's have ourselves a podcast. I can hear you! <laughs> Welcome, everybody. This is the Ricochet Podcast, number 598. Can't wait until number 600. I think we're going to try something new where we actually try to disprove the old adage. We're going to please everyone. Number 600. I don't know how that can be done, but we're going to give it a shot. Uh, in the meantime, here, we're going to do our usual contentious back and forth with Peter Robinson and Rob Long. And as I'm sure Rob would love to tell you and will, again, again, you can join us at ricochet.com and be part of the most stimulating conversations and community on the web. And Rob, we really need them, right? We, we really do. Uh, I have to say thank you to the people who've heard our pleas. Uh, they are not in vain apparently we've had some very nice and uh, some people really have joined and we really appreciate you so if you joined recently thank you thank you you're going to help us keep these uh doors i guess zoom doors or web doors open um and we appreciate that and uh if you are been thinking about it you're on the fence um now's the time we really do need you but we have a gigantic uh, legal settlement to pay off uh <laughs> that's gonna paid off pretty soon and um we would like to not have to put that like out of business sale. At, like you see, you see those notes in front of people's on doors, the in some shops that have closed. Thank you for your uh, for your for being loyal and customers for this long. We don't have to close. Um, we don't want to do that. So if you've been thinking about it, we really need your help. Please join, and you get to join Ricochet. So you get to do a lot of fun stuff, IRL stuff that we're doing more and more of, and you get to do um, you get to join the conversation on the site, which we and we will be thrilled to see there. So. And Peter Robinson would say the same thing, too, except he's too exhausted from having dealing with the, the uh, vagaries of American air travel, yeah. which apparently is bad recently. Everyone's complaining about it. Um, one of the things that I don't hear, because everyone's you know, moaning about the delays and the cancellations and an of crew and the rest of it, is the fact that it's expensive again. Air travel is expensive, and it hurts when you make those reservations because it's, you know, I should have done it last week. Now it's twice as much. Almost as if the price of fuel uh, in the Biden administration to do things like signal their intentions with the closing of pipelines and the, you know, the denial of leases and all the rest, almost as if that has a rippling psychological as well as economic effect on the industry. Uh, this week, gentlemen, we, uh, President wrote a letter, and we he, he, he sat down, pen and Quill in hand and wrote a letter to the oil companies that was angry that they'd failed to restore the refining capacity. Uh, it's like, okay, we're going to make biofuels now. Great. Uh, we're making biofuels now. No, don't make gas. It, it's in, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's in the idea that this country, which has so much energy, so much and was energy independent, it was exporting is now in a position of going cap in hand to the Saudis and saying, can you please sir, give us another cup is maddening, but it's, something that everybody knows right 
unless they're fixated on January 6th and believe that that is the true thing that we should also be spending time on. Because, of course, you can't think about both. Yeah, I mean, you can think about both. I mean, I, the letter that Biden wrote to the oil companies is not nearly as interesting as the letter that they wrote, they wrote back, back, which you can mm-hmm. find. Uh, the American Petroleum Institute, which, you know, like only a president is incompetent upside down as uh, Joe mm. Biden could make a thing, a, a, a lobbying group called the American Petroleum Institute, the heroes of the exchange. Like you have to be a really bad Democrat, just like incompetent Democrat to make the American Petroleum Institute come out as heroes. They wrote like this three, four page letter. Uh, if, we should put a link to it. It's really great. I mean, it's kind of 101 uh, energy policy, uh, um, uh, uh energy policy sort of uh, d- 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 description. Uh, it's a really good primer to understand how that gas got in your tank and what the costs were associated with. There's a couple sentences in it which are like, hey, listen, refinery capacity and exploration are all forward thinking things that we plan for in advance. And your administration keeps saying, and you keep saying that you don't want anyone to use any fossil fuels and you keep regulating fossil fuels and you keep regulating cars. You keep promising to do even more. So, don't come to us now and say, "Hey, where's that all that oil that I that I thought you had?" Because you're you're the one who told us to stop doing it. I mean, they say it nicer, but you know, I just said this on this uh, three martini lunch. You you know that letter went through some really great drafts that it probably included right. some extremely salty language from of the people paying for the American Petroleum Institute. That was then the PR people probably right. resorted and took it out wisely. But boy, I'd love to see the first right. draft of that. But unlike the Supreme Court of the United States, the American Petroleum Institute doesn't leak its early drafts. <laughs> yeah, good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when they leak, it's generally into the groundwater. I'm kidding. I'm a big fan of the American Petroleum Institute they sent me through college, in as much as my dad had a gas station. So, yes, I don't have the same animus against petroleum that most people do. It is a useful substance, and it does tend to underpin everything. Uh, so we not only have gasoline prices, we have diesel prices, which, again, compound the price of absolutely everything, which leads to inflation, which, by gosh, may lead to something called a recession. And everybody's stroking their chin and saying, hmm. Wonder if we're going to be in a recession. I think we already are, right? And yeah, probably. In a way, in a way, it's almost sort of a relief, and in a grim way. But you know that you have to have the troughs, and we've had a peak for some time, and we've been—I mean, things have been, you know, coming along nicely. Generally, employment is down, et cetera. But you know, it has to happen at some point, and you'd rather have it happen in the Biden administration so that people can see plainly the things that cause these things. I mean, some of them are just natural ebbs and flows of the economy, but when you have inflation that is caused by too much spending and all the other ancillary things we have, people look around and say, hmm, is there a way that we can fix this because the guys in charge don't seem to be doing so? I mean, Biden, didn't he come up with a, a Charles Charles C.W. Cook had a piece about that Biden is proposing to send people more money, to to print some more money and send it to them in order to... that's the problem. Which betrays an absolute ignorance as to how we get these things in the first place. I mean, the administration is telling us that the economy is great and that people are grateful for it. But do do you think they believe that? It doesn't matter what they believe. Here's the big take from Washington. In, Rob and I uh, met in Washington on Monday evening at a memorial service for P.J. O'Rourke. I spent the night following three days there. And here is the shocking news from Washington. The Biden administration is over. Nancy Pelosi right. is done. All the pollsters are picking up a swing of at least five points. If the election were held today, not only would, if it were held today, of course, there's time between now and November, 
But if the election were held today, Republicans would not only sweep to a majority in the House of Representatives, but recapture the Senate with as many as 54 seats. Arizona, which used to be a purple lean Democrat state, if the election were held today, would be a lean Republican, even as one pollster told me, he might even put it in the safe Republican seat. All of Washington knows this. All of Washington knows this. And what right. that means is that the Biden administration and Nancy Pelosi and the whole woke left, which is in control of the administration and in control of the House of Representatives, is panic-stricken to jam through as much as they can in the final few months of their time in office. It's a very strange experience to talk to people in Washington, run around town, get up to Capitol Hill, and discover that whereas the country seems to be dominated by the January 6th hearings, which are backward-looking, incidentally, even the political fallout of that uh, pol Republican operatives, the Democrats are doing the, the, the most, the trickiest problem Republicans face is persuading Donald Trump not to run again. And the Democrats are helping. The Dem Democrats are helping to eliminate Donald Trump, leaving themselves with <laughs> Joe Biden true. and Kamala <laughs> exactly Harris. Right. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> so as an American and as a Republican, this is, I mean, as a Republican and a journalist, this is a great time to be, uh, the, Big stories are unfolding just below the surface, which, as you know, for a journalist, that's the great time to get in on a story when, when it hasn't, hasn't become the story yet. Terrific. But as an American, the Fed doesn't know what it's doing. We have a president of the United States who's unwell, whose administration is in disarray, with a Vladimir Putin who knows that as well as we know it, with a Chinese president. I mean, the country's in, in terrible peril right now. But um, so you get this strange whipsaw between gloating and, wow, this is all really bad. That's my take on Washington. What did you pick up, Rob? Uh, uh, that's pretty much the same thing. I mean, I... It, what's what's strange is that you, you the Democrats of this January 6th. I mean, look, I don't <laughs> just as a political matter, I've said I don't begrudge them going after January 6th. That's all they got. I mean, I don't know what else they're going to do. Uh, that's what they got. Right. Um, but they've trained their howitzers on the most uh, un inconsequential political leaders uh, who are becoming less consequential every day. So they've trained their howitzers on people like Rudy Giuliani and uh, uh, this guy Eastland, nobody ever heard of, Eastland. who was a lawyer. Oh, uh, I heard of him. He, he used to be in the Hugh Hewitt show every week. Okay, every so like, week, uh, arguing with all right, but I mean, uh, inconsequential to American policy, put it that right. way. Yeah, he's right, not right. going to run for the presidency. He's not a threat right. to the Democratic majority. No. Um, instead of training their howitzers on whatever the policies are that they uh, disapprove of on this, on the side of the Republicans or conservatives or, or, or better yet, trumpet their own policy solutions. So, I mean, you know, partly the, the, the you know, yes, the, uh, it's it, the massive tone deaf spending uh, from the Biden administration and the, the proposal to spend even more and the massive tone deaf cultural indicators from right. the progressive left, uh, do seem to suggest, you know, a party and a movement in the process of an emotional neurotic breakdown. I mean, I, the 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 fact that there's the last time Democrats lost 
and and felt bereft was um after the smashing drubbing of um Walter Mondale in 1984 and the smashing drubbing, I think the biggest landslide ever in 1988, uh, Michael Dukakis. And they looked around, they said, okay, well now we should, we should let some of the moderates in our party take over. So the democratic leadership council was started by an obscure, but ambitious Arkansas governor, Bill Clinton, because there was a bench there because there were still moderates and chief executives in the Democratic Party they could refer to. There were still people there with the keys to the car. Um, now, I don't know where they go. I mean, I really don't know who they would go to. No. For it's, it's, that it's, it's, level of, like, uh, of, 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 right. of, of course correction. Especially when moderation these days seems to consist of, okay, all right, we'll be moderate now. We will require all of the drag queens in the story hour to wear <laughs> underwear. Right. Unbelievable. Right. Oh, so excuse me. I'm, I, I skipped. That's the mood in Washington. While I was there, I think this happened that the primary took place. We saw each other, Rob, on Monday. I believe the primary in Texas took place on Tuesday. I, I beg your pardon. It wasn't a primary. It was, it was a primary, but it was a special election way, 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 way down south in Texas. Right. I think the district right. includes Browns right, uh, right on the Rio Grande. And who won? A Republican one. What kind of Republican? A Republican woman. Oh, what kind of Republican woman? A Republican woman who was born in Mexico. Now, how did she win in an 83% Democratic, I beg your pardon, 83% Hispanic district, if Democrats are destined to win the Hispanic vote forever? And how did she win in a district so that even before it became Hispanic was so democratic that it hasn't sent a Republican to Congress ever. It depends on how you count these things, but the district has been redrawn, of course, as districts are, but it looks as though she's the first Republican ever. Well, I'll tell you what she let be known about herself in, during her campaign, that she came to this country legally and that she's married to a member of the Border Patrol. Get it? Got mm -hmm. her position on immigration, and here's what her posters said. God, family, country. Sounds pretty traditional to me. And sure. she won in an 83% Hispanic district. Shockwaves. Shockwaves in Washington. Of course, delight and glee and prancing around and high fives among Republicans and just the other way around among Democrats. But this notion... That, his, that the Democratic Party is this transgender stuff, doesn't go down well at all with Hispanics, that Hispanics are not as open border as the liberals in the Democratic Party have always thought. Now we have a demonstration that it is so, that Hispanics are moving to the Republican Party. Right. The Republican Party, Rob, this may be hard for you to take. It's becoming less and less gin and tonic, country club <laughs> your yeah, people horrible your people what am i gonna do yeah yes and it's the republican but, party that's 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 the i, I would say yes party. yes but, i mean I, I agree with you uh, so the, am the, i getting too giddy yes, bringing and, back down to no Earth. no yes and um texas is a great state to to study because texas was a place with uh, with a, a robust and powerful and i think it's some many times majority democrat represent representation in dc Definitely. Because yes. Texas Democrats were conservative Democrats because the Democratic Party had conservatives in it. I mean, you know, 
mm-hmm. whatever stands for that. I mean, Lloyd Benson, who ran for vice president, yeah. was a pretty conservative. I mean, basically a pretty conservative Democrat. You're, you're, uh, with, you're with, I just want to have that. You, uh, you're, you're Ralph in Yarborough back in the 60s and then Ann Richards, there was a liberal strain in the Democratic Party. And the first thing that happened was that that got stamped out. And then the second thing, was, which is what you're leading to, is that the Democrats began shifting to the GOP. But th- there was a liberal strain. Anyway, it's worth noting. Well, if, if, if Texas and the Hispanics in that part of the country tend to move to the right the Democrats have only themselves to blame because in the name of decolonizing the language, they did a cultural imposition on the very people they supposedly have the best interests in their heart. When they started insisting that we have to decolonize the Spanish language and, and call everybody <laughs> Latin X yeah, right. or Latinx, as it looks like you had people who otherwise gave this sort of thing, no thought whatsoever, looking at each other and saying, what are they talking about? Well, they're trying to degender the language because they're trying to decolonize the language and they're trying to make everything according to the new gender specific specifics. By the way, Latinx is difficult enough to say in English. In Spanish, it's impossible. It's ridiculous. Right. So this essentially is coming from the, you know, from the, the, the overclass. This is coming from the exactly, you, exactly. down down on the other people and telling them what they should think and telling them <laughs> well, how they should speak yeah. and write. So that you know, has in an effort to be anti-colonialist. They're telling people that their language is bad. They should speak English mm-hmm. exactly, which is, is exactly, exactly what the colonists right. said. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Exactly. I, I, it, well, the whole thing when it comes to uh, you know, I, I, I'm always curious as to how we're the bad you know the wet america is the bad colonizers and the rest of it but spain and portugal somehow seem to get a pass in all of this am i am i wrong in that i mean when you when it, when it comes to what was done in central and south america by the yeah. europeans that seems to be blended into this sort of mist of history that we don't really examine very much or interrogate or unpack as they like to say the dutch too in indonesia were oh, horrible the, the belgians the belgians, Africa, the belgians don't get me started on the belgians oh but the belgians are always kind of bad you know but it's, yes. it's such an absurd thing to think that the Belgians would be the ones who absolutely <laughs> took. Was that great, uh, great joke that Michael Caine says in uh, in uh, one of the Austin Powers movies? Because there's two kinds of people I hate: the kind that divide people into ethnic groups and the Dutch. Oh, <laughs> well, there's the money. By the way, New York State, uh, the New York State um, official New York State policy. I just a friend of mine had sent me this yesterday. Is to ask is to give you a choice. Hispanic, Latinx, or Spanish origin—you can choose. So you—you're not allowed to be offended anymore because they're—they're they're uh, giving you a, a broad yeah. variety of uh, of uh, 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 acceptable ways to describe yourself if you are of that origin. Well, the Monty Python sketch, of course, where they're kind of trying to come up with the most uh, cutting insult for the Belgians. The first entry was, uh, "Let's just call them Belgians. That's bad enough." In applause, <laughs> and the other was, "But the winner of our insult contest is dirty, rotten, stinking Belgians," which is, you know, comes to mind. And I think they've been trying to atone for that for many, many years. Hey, you know, I just shouted here, and I am at the office, but the thing of it is, is there's nobody here to hear me shout. Uh, it's kind of like space. Uh, problem is, is that on Tuesday, everybody Tuesday. Every, yes, Rob, that was an alien We're, reference. Uh, yes, uh, but no one can hear you scream. Right. I was referencing that. I was implying that phrase known by all. I'm just enjoying my, the idea of you in your office screaming, which I guess if I keep interrupting you, we'll, we'll all be able to see. Well, well you, will, you will all be able to see on the Zoom feed, uh, but nobody's here. But they are here on Tuesday where we, a lot of people are around. We meet face to face. And one of the things you want to do when you meet face to face is to have a nice white gleaming set of choppers, right? 
Yes. I mean, everybody's working at home and wearing a mask. Eh, maybe you didn't as brush as much as you could. Get a little of that film that they used to talk about in 50s TV toothpaste ads. Well, listen, good health starts with good habits and good brushing habits. And Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials you need to care for your mouth. The Quip electric toothbrush is loved by over 7 million mouths. I happen to be one of them, and it has timed sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses to guide a dentist's recommended two-minute clean. That means it goes buzz, 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 and you move it over here, and you know you've done this side, which is a great feeling. It's got a lightweight, sleek design for adults and kids. No wires, no bulky charger to weigh you down. Multi-use travel cover that doubles as a mirror mount for less clutter in your bathroom. And reusable handles in a range of sleek metal hues, including best-selling all black or all pink, as well as bright plastic colors. They just pop in your bathroom counter. Are you on top of your brushing? Well, you can upgrade your Quip with a new smart motor to track and improve your brushing with a free Quip app. This <laughs> is the 21st century. Yes, your toothbrush talks to your phone. You can even earn amazing rewards like free refills and products and Target gift cards and more. Uh, beyond the brush, Quip has got everything you need to build a complete routine. You try their sugar-free refillable gum. It has a long-lasting mint flavor, and it comes with a dispenser. And the refillable mouthwash that's a four-times concentrate. It's Plus, it's good for you and the planet. Quip delivers it all every three months from $5. And shipping is free, so you can save money and skip the hustle and bustle of in-store shopping. With stylish and affordable electric brushes starting at just $25, you won't be paying through the teeth, as they say, for better oral care. If you go to getquip.com slash ricochet right now at this very moment, you will get your first refill free. That is your first refill free at getquip.com slash ricochet. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash ricochet. Quip, the good habits company. And we thank Quip for sponsoring this, the Ricochet Podcast. And now our guest, uh, we got to warn you, though, this might have a lot of awkward pauses because our guest is a little bit on the shy side. You got to draw her out. Ann Coulter, the author of 13 bestsellers, all with the, uh, oh, you know, timid titles like Resistance is Futile, How the Trump-Hating Left Lost Its Collective Mind, and others, uh, which I'm sure you've read and enjoyed. But she's decided uh, to branch out, and hence, she's launched a new substack called Unsafe. She's got a podcast, too, so we want to bring her on and tell, her, tell us all about her new life. So welcome, Ann. New substack. Does it cost money, and what do people get for it? Um, well, the first month is free, but that's dwindling. Then the first week is free, I guess, if you're new. And then it's a, only $5 a month. So this, um, is un, this is unfettered. This is the sort of stuff that if you'd given it to a publisher or a syndicate or something like that, they would have given it back to you with tongs and said, there's no way we can put this out in public. Is this Ann Coulter unmasked, unbound with uh, speaking as freely as you possibly ever have? Yes, it's really, I, I mean, it's not like I've been particularly seemingly bound before mm. but i realized when um when elon musk was when it broke that he was going to buy twitter there was you probably know there was like two weeks of freedom on on twitter i love twitter um and just for example me in um seven years i went from zero followers to 2.2 million then in 2018 twitter took away 200,000 followers one day and for the next four years, I never got another follower. So I'm thinking something's going on. And I realized during that week, there was the brief period of apparently some of the shadow bans being lifted. Well, ooh, it's back in force now. Um, but beyond that, it was it was just realizing the freedom I had. And probably once a day, there was something I wouldn't tweet for fear. Yes, and I have yes. been suspended from both Twitter and Instagram um, temporarily. Uh, for pro Rittenhouse tweets, Kyle Rittenhouse. 
Rittenhouse, who you will recall a year later, not guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Twitter. Thank you, Instagram. Um, even if you had been found guilty, I think in this country, you're allowed, <laughs> you're, you are innocent until proved guilty and you're allowed to put up a defense, as you know, go fund me through him off. Well, Substack, there is no censorship. And one thing I really like about it is no ads. Um, probably, I don't know how much of it will continue to be free. Um, if you want to comment, you have to pay the $5 a month. If you want to do the ask and anything, you have to pay $5 a month. Um, but <laughs> that's really, worth that's, it. Yeah. It's the, you know, the price of a quarter. It's the price of not quite a gallon of gas here in California. Yeah. Now. A quarter gallon of yes, gas. Right. <laughs> right. Thanks to the Putin price hike. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Anne, uh, 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 the Substack is available. You got a podcast now. I but I know I, I'm a little. I don't know. I wouldn't say cross. Why well, am I a little cross? Because I was. I've been telling you to do this for years, <laughs> and each time you kind of like waved your. You're like, oh, shut up! Oh, stop! Like kind of like I'm too. You know, I don't have time for that. And now you're doing it. So tell us. All right, we we want to have it on the on the Ricochet feed. We're we're gonna try to figure out a way to do that. Um, we want people to hear it. People hear it. What are they gonna hear? Just Anne? Just in their ears? Wait, as if that's not enough. Talk to anybody else? As if that wouldn't um, be enough? Guess. Well, first of all, I want to tell you why I was right all of those years telling you, no, I'm not going to do a pod- podcast. <laughs> no, I, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to keep doing the podcast, and I'll I'll tell you why. Um, I'm I'm a perennial guest. I'm a writer. Um, it's one thing to, especially when you're in New York or L.A., have a car sent for you. You show up. You have professional makeup artists and hair people to do your hair and the lighting is set up by lighting guys and everything's perfect. And then the cameras are run by people who know how to run an effing camera. Uh, (laughs) And then I'm asked questions and I sit down and answer them. I get a free Diet Coke and then I go outside and I get a car service any place I want to go in LA or New York City. Well, that's different from a podcast as you saw me trying to hook up to Zoom today. Well, I tried (laughs) to hook you into my my Zencaster and I could only hear you through my headphones and I'm not using headphones. I'm using earbuds and I have some guy helping me, but I'm I'm already really kind of sick of this. What I would like it to be um, is video, and I'm not sure how long they'll be. I, I like the way um, you guys do it. I, I think I'll probably do both. But the way I listen to podcasts is when I'm biking or walking or in the car. And I, I hate podcasts that are five minutes. Right. <laughs> I'm not even going to put it on. Um, I mean, I may not listen to the full half hour or 45 minutes or hour, but I'll come back to it. Whereas a five minute podcast, you, you may as well just, you have to sit in front of your computer and keep hitting the button. Yes. Load the next one, load the next one. So well, I, as somebody I, who does a five minute podcast, I got to tell you, I'm offended, but I've you noticed them up. like them. <laughs> I think, I think I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you're probably right, so I'm going to do both. Well, that, those those words have never been said in that order. <laughs> All right, if you're going to do a five minute podcast, give us an issue that you think you could cover in five minutes and say everything you need to say. Say everything that you want to say. Well, I've already done a few. One was on that weird performance of Matthew McConaughey at the White House. Um, where he seemed, look, I know, I'm sorry, I'm talking to Rob, a Hollywood guy, and 
I, I want, well, I, Rob accepted, you can speak for yourself, but I've noticed everybody in LA just use actor as a synonym for retard. Um, so this is really unfair for me to be picking on him. But what was weird about it, if you saw it is, he seems to think he's having an argument with someone about whether killing all these kids, right. gunning them down, whether it's a bad thing. And for those of you who say this was a good thing to do, look at this sneaker. He's like pounding. It was this. It was just weird. Um, yeah, we know it's a bad thing. Now we're going to come up with policies to make this less likely. Settle down, Matthew. Um, another five minute one was um, because the first night, although I got to tell you, this has changed. Probably a huge mistake. The first night of the January 6th hearings. I only watched five minutes um, and then had my comments for five minutes. And my five minute comment commentary was totally true. It, it's just there's nothing, nothing new. I have to say for the last yesterday, I watched hours and hours and hours of the hearings um, and I'm here to report a nothing new B. They're really making themselves look like asses. Um, their big you know, point is Trump was a douchebag. Yeah. OK, we knew that. Thank you. <laughs> well, no, wait. OK, so and I, I just have to <laughs> before you break all the, the language rules we have here at Ricochet. Um, let me ask. So like you, you, you famously wrote a book called In Trump We Trust. Correct. Yes, Anne. Um, followed by what kind of idiot would vote for that Donald Trump? Right so, I mean, how, I, I, I don't, I mean, you can rehearse the arguments for, I mean, you and I have already talked about this at length, um, in, 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 uh, in fancy salons. Um, uh, but what I just personally, what, what is it? You are so phenomenally popular. We go, I'm out with you and people are like, they'd love you. You're a you're a beloved figure, certainly for the American right. How does it feel now to get the emails and the tweets saying, you know, man, I just I can't I, I'm not buying any of your books uh, from from self-described conservatives who feel that your anti-Trump stuff is just you cross the line. She's a cuck conservative. How do you like that? <laughs> How do you like, you like that? that man? <laughs> I've never heard Peter use that word, and I never want to hear it because again. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure what it means. So let's just move along. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah, let's just yeah. <clears throat> it means my molecular opposite. Um, well, they've dwindled, and well, first, I mean, it mostly happened when he was still president, um, and. I mean, my I guess my position is, you know, I don't care if the deplorables hate me. I'm telling them the truth and I'm mad at Trump for betraying them. Um, what does what does massive amounts of cheap labor hurt me? I don't even have kids. Why should I care about the country? Um, and boy, I'm glad I don't have kids the way the country is going. Um, but, you know, it's great. Yeah, I, I, I have cheap gardeners and pool guy and cheap maids. Cheap labor is fantastic for me. The reason I supported Trump was on behalf of the left behind, my fellow Americans, black and white, but especially the white working class that has just been stomped on and ignored for years. And the reason I hate Trump is that he betrayed them. He lied to them. So, OK, you guys, deplorables, you may hate me, but <laughs> I'm still trying to save the country for you. <laughs> and could I come in? You you did a piece, 
I don't know where I saw it because you're everywhere and I've been traveling the last few days. So this was someplace that I saw something you'd written. It's impossible to go into a dentist's office in America without finding something that Anne has written on the, on the waiting room table or, or Twitter feed. All right. Somebody attacked you for saying, in a f and the attack was in effect, how can you be against Donald Trump when the media hates him? And you wrote a really quite brilliant and witty reply saying, good impulse, Good starting point. If the media hates somebody, we have, and you hate the media, we have something to talk about. Could I just adjust that question a little bit? You mentioned January 6th. Here's how we do the podcast. I ask one question and to get out of the way. That's a five-minute podcast. <laughs> so here's the question. There are loads of people who say, yeah, okay, maybe he did lose his mind after January 6th, and maybe Anne is right that after talking about the wall, the wall, the wall, he should have built more than 47 miles of it. But even at that, that man was more sinned against than sinning. The intelligence agencies we now know were corrupted against him. We now know that the whole Russia hoax originated with the Clinton campaign, and it's now on the record Someone testified under oath that Hillary Clinton herself approved this hoax. And there's just an impulse to see some justice done. And here's Anne saying, oh, just forget that loudmouth jackass. He's betrayed us all. Well, yeah, maybe he did betray us, but somehow we need to get back at what they did to him first. Now, that strikes me as a commendable impulse, and it's among, I feel it. And a lot of good people feel it, and I'm sure Anne understands it and knows how to say, here's how you live with it. Over to you. Well, first of all, I think you can think the media are scum, the intelligence agencies scum, the entire Democratic Party scum, and Trump betrayed his voters. I think you can hold both positions. I hate both. Um, I, get, um, I, I, I think I tweeted a long time ago, how about if I hate Trump and I hate Liz Cheney. <laughs> Am I allowed to have that position? Um, because that's my position. Um, and the other thing is, I mean, there was something special about Trump. Um, but they, the media was, was kind of tough on Nixon, too. Mm. Uh, and the media, not, I would say, Nixon most of all. Um, Joe McCarthy, um, Ronald Reagan. Um, I wanted them to be tough on him and to hate him f for doing stuff. That's why they hated Reagan. That's why they hated Joe McCarthy. And I think, oh, no, that's totally why they hated Nixon, but more for Alger Hiss than anything he did as president. That's right, something he'd done 15 mm -hmm. or 20 years before. Right. Yeah. Right. Right, right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. All of that is true, uh, but you can still not, uh, you know, make it easier for me to defend you. There was, uh, this is going to be a weird metaphor and probably going to be sorry I brought it up, but that shooting in Georgia of those absolutely like Hollywood hicks with their mouths hanging open, the Ahmed Aubrey case, he comes mm -hmm. into the neighborhood. Um, I, I, Tried not to follow the trial. I followed it slightly and, yep, looks like a pretty big miscarriage of justice to me. But I look at the guys and I say, you got to meet me halfway. I never tweeted about it. I never wrote about it. And that's what I say about Trump. You got to meet me halfway on this. And he wasn't. He's not he's not Nixon. He's not Joe McCarthy. He's not Ronald Reagan.
<laughs> That's a pretty big spectrum, by the way. Mm-hmm. I know. Even in Ann's big tent, there's no place for him. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, could you uh, could you just give us a little TikTok? I I, I saw um, I read your piece uh, yesterday. I think um, the direct line between Supreme Court nominee Harriet Myers, <laughs> her eventual replacement on the nomination for the nomination, and um, I guess the decision that we're all going to get from the Supreme Court in a week. Yes, that was really the first thing that came to mind. Well, actually, the first thing that came to my mind when the story leaked was, um, oh, my gosh, why couldn't they have waited a year? (laughs) We're about to clean up in the midterms. I don't don't know how this is going to affect it, but Mm -hmm. I just don't want anything. And then I'm... I'm kind of joking about that. Obviously, I don't want another two million innocent (laughs) babies murdered just for our electoral chances. But um, then I decided I started watching all the crazy feminists on TV and thought, whoa, you people are unattractive. And also looking at the polling, I don't think it's really going to hurt us. Um, And as usual, I think the abortion of anything, it'll help us be that as it may. The second thing I thought was um, we almost didn't get Justice Samuel Alito, because that ridiculous George Bush nominated Harriet Myers, his personal lawyer and the head of the Texas Lottery Commission. And I remember that time and I wrote about this for the spectator in their diary section. Um, It it was the last time. um, Well, maybe not the last time, but the first time. One of the last times I was fighting shoulder to shoulder with David from we came out right. I mean, the day it was announced, Drudge had been had been telling me days before it was announced. Oh, it's going to be Harriet Myers. And I said, no, it isn't Drudge. (laughs) They leak names to just do the person up, have their name appear in the mainstream. It's not going to be Harriet Myers. And then announcement, Harriet Myers. So I instantly wrote up a piece denouncing the decision and and Drudge threw it up. And all of all of Fox News was pedal to the metal for for Harriet Myers because they are the official RNC station. Um, I was banned from Fox when Trump was running because Rupert Murdoch was anti-Trump. Um, when I started to turn against him during his presidency, as he <laughs> continued to not build the wall or keep any of his other promises, banned for not from Fox for not sucking up to him enough. Harriet Myers. And I just remember watching this in in pain and rage with Britt Hume and um, who was that guy, Fred Barnes in the Wall Street Journal, making these ridiculous arguments on behalf of Harriet Myers um, that, oh, it's elitist to expect an Ivy League graduate. They're all Ivy League graduates. Knock it off. This is an elite position. Um, So it was David Frum and I um, emailing and fighting this ferociously while being viciously attacked um, for two weeks. And then Robert Bork came out and wrote a piece in the Wall Street Journal four square against Harriet Myers. And then all the little um, ninnies and followers flipped and acted as if they had always been against Harriet Myers. And then we got Sam Alito and we wouldn't have this opinion today. But for um, conservatives willing not to toe the line of the official corporate conservative media. And when you said that Drudge told you this and you said to Drudge, are you referencing an imaginary conversation you had with the website or the actual Matt Drudge? And if it's, <laughs> it, and if it's the actual guy, what happened? 
I, I mean, it fell off, fell out of my bookmarks years ago. But the, the strangest damned thing I expect, like I'm, a, you know, I'm going to go to Cancun and I'm going to see a guy with a fedora and some small little dingy bar. And it'll be him because he just <laughs> flipped, took the money, ran, and lives a dissolute. I, I, what happened? If you know the guy, do, do you know him? Do you know him still? Um, yes, I've been, I haven't seen him for a while. I've been talking to him for a while. I think a lot of people pulled away from politics after the 2016 election, although, ooh, it's getting exciting again. Um, I think it got exciting when Youngkin was elected in Virginia. Slowly, mm-hmm. normal people could start paying attention again. I have no idea. I have maintained, um, and this is, I haven't talked to him, so this is totally not based on, hey, I sold it, I didn't sell it, whatever. Um, I have a couple of other friends who were very, very, very solid conservatives, um, my kind of conservative, who lost their minds over Trump. And it wasn't just on Trump. They are now left wing on every single issue down the line. It's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. Um, The only one who was um, semi-public, so you'll know what I'm talking about, is George Conway. Mm -hmm. And he's not the only one of my friends. I mean, he and I, again, fought shoulder to shoulder to get Bill Clinton impeached. Um, He and I have been and I remember and I think it was a similar process because George, we should for listen. George Conway is Kellyanne, Kellyanne Conway's husband. And most importantly, the man who helped get Bill Clinton impeached. (laughs) He's a very smart lawyer. He was my best friend. I introduced them, in fact. Did you really? Um, I always wondered. All right. It is the damnedest thing. I mean, it's it's like we understand having to join forces with the Soviets to defeat, to defeat Hitler, right? But in the process, you do not adapt Marxist-Leninism as your governmental model. I mean, which what you manage to do, you can you can have a temporary alliance, and at the rest of it, say, all right, we'll get back to throwing pots and pans and rocks at each other's heads after this. But yes, we've seen some of these people who now turn around and endorse every single possible Democrat candidate that they can, as though that somehow is a return to Republic, traditional conservative values. They're not even making the argument that we have to destroy the party in order to rebuild it in a greater, more conservative image. They've just gone to the other side, yes. which and leads one to believe that they may not have been entirely sincere in their positions, public and otherwise, beforehand, that this has been a pose. In the abstract, I would agree with you. I- I'm... George Conway was for Trump before Kellyanne Conway was for Trump. He's held those positions. I mean, our politics are really very similar. Um, And I remember talking to both um, Matt and and George, not a lot. But my impression of the Trump administration was the same way I got increasingly angry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at Trump not doing any of the stuff he ran on and basically governing like Jeb, Jeb explanation, exclamation point would have, um, was that they were they were feeling the same frustration. And I think at some point they, they just <laughs> snapped. But I'm telling you what was well thought out. I, I don't know as much about Drudge. George Conway's really smart. He was a partner at Wachtell. He's thought about this stuff. He reads book. Trump just <laughs> something. And he's not the only friend of mine who flipped It's like this, this weird. He's sort of the anti-Ronald Reagan. Donald Trump so seldom brought out the best in people. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you for mentioning that. I want to ask you guys a question <laughs> because I have been watching these January 6th hearings. And yes, Peter, I, I mean, I hate to cite this, this jerk who wrote a really stupid book, but it's something like everything Trump touches turns to bleep. Yeah, bleep. Right. Um, that's Rick. Isn't that Rick? That's Rick Wilson, I think. That's yeah. Rick Wilson, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of those guys. One of the ridiculous bulwark. Never Trump. Um, and it really is true. I, I, no one left the Trump White House with his reputation intact. Um, Bill Barr. Steve Nugent. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> those two. Okay, um, all right. Just throw names out. Bar. I just read his book. In fact, I'm going to write a critical review of it and post it on my subset. Uh. Um, I mean, some things are great, and I still love a lot of great things about him. But you'll see in my review. Um, no, there was one person I thought left. With, I mean, Bannon. These are the ones who don't left without the reputation. Giuliani, the great, the, the second greatest politician of my lifetime mm -hmm. after Ronald Reagan. Those mm -hmm. two guys changed my life in measurable ways. Yes, it is. Right. It is forgotten right. what New York was like in 1991 right. and 19 and when Rudy Giuliani took office. I happened yeah, to yeah. live in New York for one year, the last year of, what was his predecessor called? Dinkins. Sorry? David Dinkins. Dinkins, of David course. David Dinkins. That's, that's yeah, how yeah. total Rudy's triumph was. We can't even remember his predecessor. <laughs> but everybody said to me, everybody said to me, long time, get out. Get For goodness sake, don't buy right, anything. Right, right, right. Get out now. As the garbage piled up on the streets, you drive downtown to wait. You wait for, to get into the Lincoln Tunnel, and the uh, the window what those they come, squeegee guys, the squeegee guys, squeegee guys. shake you. <laughs> yeah. It was just a, an assault, a sense of disorder, a sense of decay, and Rudy turned it around. It was one of the most magnificent episodes mm. in all of American urban history, and Rudy Giuliani has gone out of his mind. And John yeah. Eastman was the one I was thinking about who, who was a very respected lawyer. Yes. I read his stuff. Mm -hmm. I liked mm -hmm. his stuff. Everybody I knew respected him. Do you guys have any theory on this? Is it just a reverse Midas touch? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, um, I think in a trend, you look at it in a transactional way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people, there are successful people in business and who've made a lot of other people rich, right? And there are people who are, I guess, successful in business who've made other people poor. Um, and Trump is the latter. Nobody's gotten rich with him. Uh, banks have lost a lot of money with him. And that, that pattern is in his life. I mean, that, and, you know, you compare him to somebody else who's like, well, you know, Bill Gates, I guess, Elon Musk. I mean, there are people who like you. I made a lot of money with that guy. I invested in him. I believed him. And he, the, the top pie got bigger. Warren Buffett's the same way. Have you ever gone to Omaha? Ever gone to that, that, that town in Omaha where he has his annual meeting? The Berkshire Hathaway. There's people there who like I got rich with Warren Buffett. Um, I didn't. I, I, you know, I was born in. I mean, they always do these profiles of people where I was born in a one-room farmhouse, and now look at me. I'm a multimillionaire because I invested with Warren Buffett. Um, Nobody says that about Donald Trump. And I, I want to push back. You can use that in your Substack, Ann. Yeah. I, I, want, I, I want like to push that. back slightly and then give you one more little podcasty, one more little bite-sized question. The, the pushback a little bit is, I actually, I'll, be, I'll be looking forward to what you say about Bill Barr's book. I think Bill Barr is a kind of heroic figure. And there were people who did the following. They went in to hold it all 
together because they mm-hmm. they viewed Donald Trump on the policy was better politics grown-ups in politics make choices and Donald Trump was better than Hillary Clinton and once he got elected somebody some buddies had to go in and hold it all together Bill Barr is probably the best known of these but there are people who will who at great risk to their own reputations and indeed I am sure they will be in some ways some people will never be able to for example if you were in the council's office Pat Cipollone, I think, is another heroic figure. Mm-hmm. He's going to have mm-hmm. to explain his association with Donald Trump in Washington law firms for the rest of his career. But he did it, and he did it honorably. There are some people, but yeah. they didn't make the news. And that was precisely the point. It was a kind of self-sacrifice on behalf of the country to hold things together. That's my little pushback. But I want to hear what you have to say about Bill Barr. No, I agree with you. And actually, I'll even say more than that about Barr. Um, he is part of that Washington elite culture. And I, I, I'm incredibly impressed that after um, Trump pulled the greatest senator out of the United States Senate, um, Jeff Sessions. humiliated him, <laughs> destroyed him. Trump is like the guy who, you know, has an affair with a married woman, breaks up the marriage and then divorced, you know, refuses to marry her. So you got rid of Sessions in the United States Senate. And now you're just going to humiliate him, stamp on him, on him and we get a Democrat senator. Anyway, um, at that moment, Barg, I'm sure all of the people around him, and as he says in his book, all of the people around him, including his family, were saying, you're not going to work for this man. Not only are you not going to work for this man, but he, like Bob Dole, something I admired about Bob Dole, um, openly, publicly voted for Donald Trump in 2016. These Republicans who, who said, oh, no, I won't vote for him. You know, screw you. I held my nose and voted for Bush. I held my nose and voted for McCain. You vote for a deplorable president for once, um, who turned out to be a con man, which I knew. <laughs> <laughs> but at least he was saying the right things. So there was some shot of him actually doing them. I uh, have to say that uh, just in your defense, the book you wrote, <laughs> In Trump We Trust, in which you endorse, enthusiastically endorse the candidacy of Donald Trump for the presidency, includes in it some of the most insulting language to describe Donald Trump. That I, I don't think there's been a political or a, 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 a pro-candidate screed ever written that was that nasty. I mean, this the- is something you come to new. Like you, the, you were saying the, things. That, <laughs> the Southern bumper sticker in the David Duke election: "Vote for the crook." It's important. <laughs> I, I, I mean, <laughs> Americans know how to make these choices. Uh, and Peter's got a question for you. I, I, but be, be, sorry, go ahead. But be, before he does, um, and this is for the people who are watching this in the Zoom. And do you think that Peter, at the moment, looks like? Um, uh, I'll hold that thought. Peter asked the question, then we'll get back. <laughs> Looks like now I'm extremely. Okay. Peter Sellers, Peter Sellers impersonating David Lynch, and I say that with all. Hey, that's pretty good. You're it's much better bo- looking, Peter. Don't be freaked that out. No, by it's, that. it's a compliment. It's the black glasses. It's the black. Lynch yeah. is a very stylish man. So I'm, I'm, these, these are all. This is all yeah. a compliment. That's just the look all today. Right, but I realize right. now it's it's a zipper, a pullover, and not some it's sort because of I, one piece black. My yeah. plane was delayed nine hours last night. I got no sleep, and I'm 
I'm in my pajamas underneath this sweater. That's, <laughs> that's the truth. But oh, Anne's, in her, play, Anne's, Anne's in her bedroom. Do that again. We got to play Night Train to go along with that. Do that again. Just do a little bit of this and maybe just... Oh, there we go. He's taking, so, for the, he's taking it all off. Here's, here's, my, here's, here's my next setup. Setup for another little podcast, Anne. Or a column, actually. Or what? what do, I give this to you for free. Do with it anything you'd like. Excellent. So here's what we've got. I just spent a few days in Washington. And... The polling right now, I talked to several pollsters, including one very senior guy who certainly would not want me to mention his name. Uh, because as you know, the pollsters make their real money from corporations and they don't want to be associated publicly with their political calls. Sure. The swing across, the swing even in Arizona to the GOP is at least five points right now. If the election were held today, Republicans would sweep to a victory in the House on my pollster, and we went race by race by race, they would end up with 54 seats in the Senate. We will recapture uh, Arizona, among other. Georgia is close. Nevada is ours, if the election were held today. The minimum we do, he thinks, is, is 51. Okay, recapture the Senate. And then the next generation down of presidential contenders, led, of course, by Ron DeSantis, the governor of your state, is remarkably impressive add to mm -hmm. all this that in a special election just yesterday a woman born in mexico married to a border patrol agent won in a democratic district that is 83 percent hispanic it looks to me as though conservatives could be on 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 the on the kind of rolling edge of the forward edge of a of a 20-month wave that could place us in office and save the country and issue in a decade or a decade and a half of limited government, strength abroad, standing up to China. We could be this close to another kind of revival of the kind that took place in the 1980s. And I'm just giving you the chance to be as optimistic as I sort of feel. If, and this, of course, is all predicated on one person. Donald Trump must rededicate himself to the game of golf. Yeah. <laughs> well, there are other solutions, um, <laughs> but he does have to go away. Um, what are the other solutions? Are we which, talking ball, ball gag and gimp well, box? Here, I'll or say what? That quickly, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We've already we're, we're already in the middle of a settlement of a very large case. Let's not yes. in, let's not invite Anne no, to take down our entire enterprise. Properly. I've even gotten deplorables <laughs> to agree with me recently. This is how I know the number of Trump diehards is dwindling dwind it used to be people would get more annoyed with me for saying this now alleged trump oh yeah you're right um the best thing that could have happened to well the republican party the conservative movement and thus the country would be if 2016 election night woohoo trump comes out 2 a.m he won he won because the campaign was all he ever accomplished um everybody's happy we're dancing and then he has a heart attack and dies and pence takes over <sighs> I'm just saying it would be the best thing that would have happened. Ann Coulter, ladies um, and gentlemen, Ann Coulter, not us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Number one, your question, Peter, on optimism, I, I tend to, um, just to warn you, I tend to um, go into these things a little bit pessimistic, partially in reaction to the conservative Republican Party and especially conservative media's chronic overconfidence. Yes, true, um, true. The pushback I would give you is never put it past Republicans not to blow this. 
40 mm-hmm. billion for Ukraine. <laughs> and then I'm a little worried we take over House and the Senate. And I, I, I'm I'm mostly pessimistic about the Senate. I would love that 51 um, mm. Senate seats because, I mean, look, look at I mean, look at the individual seats. Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. I mean, I vote for him, but <laughs> Herschel Walker <laughs> in Georgia, <laughs> when you when you look at the actual states, doesn't look quite so perky as the general polls. And then I'm worried if they do take over, I don't want them to do what the Democrats are doing, which is I mean, you were right, Peter. This is outrageous. I think people saw it. If they want to know about it, they can look it up. Um, uh, what they ought to do is keep pop passing popular legislation let Biden veto it. Just keep putting Democrats right. in a bad position where they have to vote against right. you know, locking up criminals. They have to vote against. Um, how about one day for Election Day? The Constitution says there will be one Election Day. How about a federal law? You can do it however you want. State legislatures, one day. Cheat all you want. Steal all you want. Do all the drop box. But you got one day. Just keep passing popular legislation that it's very difficult to vote against. Vote And I am terrified what they will Mm do is we're going to have hearings on Operation. What was it? No, what was the hurricane? Whatever it was, the FBI. Crossfire. Right, right, right. Right, right, right. right. No, please just drop it. Move on. It was bad. There are books about it. We know. Let let President DeSantis come in and he won't come in if you guys waste your time on hearings. Um, Or maybe you have one little house hearing on that. Um, But we need we need President DeSantis to just do a lot of cleaning house. Move on. If only there was some sort of international organization. <laughs> Probably taken as a website, but you can get you can get moveon.biz if you want. And yeah, speaking of TVs, speaking of biz, yeah, dot TV. Uh, her new business involves extracting money from you willingly when you go to her unsafe substack and subscribe, and you will get what you're getting here, and you'll get it. How often do you post, Anne? A lot. Right. It's like Twitter, except every, I can say every ten minutes. More. Yeah. Okay. Great. Every ten minutes. All right. So, I get an so, email from Ann Coulter every ten minutes. Just, this right. lady writes so, faster than I can read. A year yeah. from now, when everybody at the New York Times is still nattering on about the dangers of unfettered free expression over at the Substack, well, I'm sure you will feature prominently in their list of criminals that they want to make sure don't get hurt again. But uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's been uh, fun to listen to and uh, can't wait to see the comments. And again, Ann Coulter at Unsafe at Substack. Thanks for joining us, Ann. See you later. Thank you. Great to talk to you guys. Thanks, Ann. Bye. See you soon. Rob, you have to run, I believe. You have yes. uh, you have other media duties, I believe. You're, I'm uh, doing Gutfeld tonight, gut last felt. minute. Somebody had a, somebody drops out, so they call me. They used to call me and say, no, no, nobody dropped out. We always we want you. We the, always, the, and now they just, right. they just say, here's who dropped hey, wait, out. We is need it true? Does over. Gutfeld send a car for you? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Man of but, the but it's not, I mean, the reason they send the car for you is so they know where you are at all times. Right. So they, they know that you're feels in, They actually say something like they send, the, well, it's actually, it's like, they're not great cars. It's not like, I mean, Uber really? black better. Yeah. Oh. I got a limo when I did the Joan Rivers show. Oh. So, yeah. Those were the old days. I, they, they put me up at the plaza and they took, gave me a limo ride to the studio. Nice. Wow. Isn't, nice. Gutfeld, isn't Gutfeld the most popular late night show now? He is the number one late night show in America. So this is like you going on Carson. I mean, essentially, this is yeah, this, this this me is going bait. on Carson in 2022. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> okay. there's no Carson. Okay. Yeah. So you got to run, um, but you're going to change clothes before you go. Yeah, I'm going to shower. I haven't. I'm still in my my 
basically in my morning, uh, walking around in my shorts and t-shirt in the morning. And the great thing is now I know your neighborhood too, because I was sitting on your stoop waiting for the ride yes. uh, to go to the you airport. You know exactly where that, that guy's waiting. And I know exactly the body around the corner on the street. Um, do they do something about that? Uh, you'd have to be more specific. Which body? Okay. All right. Well, then generally <laughs> when you walk to start, no, this is time, the West village. It's very, I know, it's, the West village. it's very nice. But the last time that you walked to your, to your Starbucks, you didn't see a, a, a dead body in one of the, no, nobody found the body you left. Okay. I did not leave it. I just passed it. That's all I'm saying. Nobody, nobody found that. You're, you're okay right now. Okay. I probably narrowed it down so much that you're going to be, uh, you can, so Rob is somewhere in New York where there's a Starbucks close by and perhaps a person sleeping in the doorway that does narrow it down. I apologize for all the, uh, the people who are not going to be thronging your house for autographs. Go, 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 go on gut feeling. Thank you very funny. much, fellas. Go, Next go week. Be fun. Go be funny. Uh, and by the way, you know, Rob does this, I think, uh, for free, uh, because he just loves the gut feel show. Well, so at least much. he has a car, um, but, well, he does indeed. But what if you, for example, had lots of money and you were wondering about what to do with it? You might want to, well, donate it because that's a great thing to do. And you can accomplish great things when you give money to organizations. Well, that brings us to our sponsor, Donors Trust. It's a tax-friendly way to simplify your charitable giving without compromising your values. Uh, cancel culture. Heard about that. Is it coming for your charitable dollars? Well, big banks that sponsor charitable savings accounts or donor-advised funds, as they're formally called, have a history of slow walking or altogether blocking donations to conservative charities. Charities that have found themselves in the crosshairs of the woke mob include the FRC, the Family Research Council, National Review Institute, or National Rifle Association Foundation, Liberty Council, Turning Point USA, and others. Clearly, not every donor-advised fund provider is safe for conservatives. Let Donors Trust help manage your charitable giving. Donors Trust was built with our listeners in mind, people who believe in limited government and constitutional rights, believe that these things are worth fighting for. If you already have a donor-advised trust, consider opening a rollover account. It can be done in three simple steps by calling our friends at Donors Trust. The Donors Trust team will work with you to protect your charitable legacy and help you achieve your charitable goals. Partner with a fund that matches your values. To learn more, download their prospectus at www.donorstrust.org slash ricochet. That's donorstrust.org slash ricochet. To align with your, your, get your giving and your values on the same page, donorstrust.org slash ricochet. And we thank Donors Trust for sponsoring this, the Ricochet podcast. Well, Peter, if Rob were still here, he would be... Uh, if Rob were still here, he, he would have screwed up that beautiful... <laughs> he'd be he'd be touting all the virtues of membership and the rest of it yes that's true he would be saying things like there's the byron york show dc with molly great success he would be telling you that there are upcoming meetups as he said irl he used internet slang in real life yes he'd tell you that they're going to be get together set for june 25th in charlotte north carolina and heck july 29th to the 31st in milwaukee where of course America's uh, beer traditions are so deeply rooted. Northern California is uh, set for August, uh, Rob would tell you, and he would say there's more info to come. He'd also tell you join Ricochet. He just goes on and on about that. But Rob isn't here, so I'm not going to say any of those things. So, Peter, uh, you were, we'll end with this. You were out in, uh, in D.C. I was. How did the city seem? Because it took a hit, as did all the big ones, and, uh, and small, too. And Fargo had riots and the rest of it. How did D.C. look to you now? Healthier? Uh, downtown, what the, the D.C. that you'd think of as the place where you'd want to show your kids, the, the mall, mm -hmm. the White House, the Capitol, mm -hmm. very unnerving for me 
anyway, of course, I I lived and worked there a long time ago now. But in the but so the Washington D.C. That federal district downtown that's in my mind's eye, that's in my memory, was quite an open place. You could stroll right up to the capital of the United States and walk mm -hmm. up the steps and go in the front door. And you yeah. could get pretty close to the You could walk down Pennsylvania Avenue right in front of the White House. All the security corridors have been enormously expanded so that you can't even get into Lafayette Park in front of the White House. You can't, You're kidding. Nope, you can't. It's, it's all closed down. You cannot get anywhere close to the Capitol. And the Capitol, which used to be the most relaxed, actually, I'm afraid we may have seen some of this in January 6th, the Capitol Police, their main duty used to be just guiding tourists. Mm -hmm. um, the Capitol, which used to be the most relaxed, now looks the most ominous. Police stationed in all kinds of places. I don't know whether that's justified or whether it's the people who run the United States Capitol, meaning Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, instructing the Capitol Police to make it look as though the Capitol is still under threat. I don't know, but it's very unnerving. It does not Ugh. look the way the people's monuments, the people's White House or the people's Capitol should look. It looks. You're saying you can't get into Lafayette Park? That's correct. At well, what I, do they do with the nuclear? What do they do with the nuclear freeze protesters who've been there since Ronald Reagan's tenure? Now, wait a minute. Am I? I believe. Excuse me. I may have to take that back because I believe I did see some protesters set up just across from Pennsylvania Avenue. Let's put it this way: There's a heavy uh, police presence around Lafayette Park, and it looked to me as though it was blocked off. That may not be strictly true. You may be able to get in there. But you're 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 going to be carefully watched every moment if you are there. Well, I remember the free DC that you describe right before it got yes. clamped down. I mean, when I worked there in the '90s, yes, you could walk right past. It was it was you would walk right past the White House. You could run your hand along yes, you the could. fence as you walked past. Yes, you could. You could drive past it for that matter. Well, here it's a beautiful day. There's not a cloud in the sky, and I was walking to work for my car. And as I was walking from car by the park in this apartment residential area. There's only about two or three blocks to the office tower. This wonderful 50-story office tower in which I work that's largely unoccupied still. Um, and I always ask the people in the elevator, what do you do on that floor? And I find out interesting things. Law firm, there's a, there's a company that does nothing but insure insurance. And there's a company that does nothing but arrange for um, the cargo that comes here to get there. They don't own any trucks. They just are the people who arrange for this to right. get there. Right. The American economy is just full of these fascinating things. Yes. So as I walk out of my car and I'm about half a block and I smell something that just stops me because that's a, such a delicious summer aroma. It's not jasmine. It's not the, the lilac bushes. It's hot dogs. It's a little early in the day, I think, for this. And maybe I'm missing. Am I getting this? Am I getting this right? First sign of some brain tumor like Gershwin smelling a pencil or something. No, I smell hot dogs. And I think, well, you know, we're supposed to have these days uh, something more fancy. We're supposed to have the artisanal bratwurst, stone ground mustard with the IPA beer and the rest of it. But there's still the smell of an American hot dog on the grill with a bun is so wonderful to just catch out of nowhere. And it brings you back 20, 30 years to your 40 years to your own childhood. It brings you back to when you made them for the kids, it brings you back to fairs that you went to, it brings you back to neighborhood, uh, you know, um, organizations that would have the hot dogs for, for make a buck or two, an American hot dog in summer. And then you think <clears throat> if I bring this up on the podcast, 
everybody's going to be nodding their head and saying it's a wonderful thing. And maybe I should leave that for the 600th podcast when we try to make everybody happy. Because the minute you start talking about that, and I describe the fact that I would, I like ketchup on my hot dog, instantaneously the brass knuckles come out. That's an absolute abrogation of the spirit of it. You can't do that. You should only have mustard on it. What do you mean ketchup on a hot dog? Are you mad? And then we argue about that. So in my head, I'm sort of playing out how everything eventually devolves into some sort of bitter little internecine war. And then I look up at the sky, which is cloudless, and I see this small little silver object the plane with two gorgeous contrails coming off of it as you know climbs into the sky to disappear forever and i realize how warm it is and how clear and how still everything is clean it's not back to where it was before but it's not boarded the fences are down they're not mad people roaming the streets i'm not afraid for my safety and i've just smelled hot dogs and even though inflation is what it was and the, infl- the savings are cratering and the, the market is doing what it's doing and all of these things and all of these things you just have to realize at some point a day in june in a good place is 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 a sign that really sometimes everything is just absolutely wonderful and you have to treasure those moments because they're going to be ruined the the moment you turn (laughs) around the corner and get an email or a tweet but i hope that you everybody this weekend has them said has a moment like that just absolute i'll take this i'll take this i'll remember this i'll put this one away because this is what we're here for not the yelling the screaming yeah we're here for the yelling and the screaming but also just for stopping and breathing and looking at the sky and seeing the marbles and the miracles and realizing wow what a country still uh peter um any plans for the weekend any television show you'd like to tell people you're watching i have a recommendation that you may like and actually most people i don't know it depends if whether or not you like the slow burn sort of strange show, but I do. I started wa- I started watching something called Night Sky. Night Sky, which has okay. J.K. Simmons and uh, Sissy Spacek in it, and they're really? just tremendous. And this is Play an old married couple. This is this is season one. Um, or it's one of these things that we know it's, it's only four episodes. What what's no? It's it's season mentions. one, and there damn well better be a two wow. um, because it's. Uh, all we know about this couple when we see the opening sequence is this old, the old, the early 70s, let's say. She's infirm, he's not. He's big, hail farmer type. We just see them walk out of the back of their house. They live in a rural place, down to the shed. They go down the stairs, they open up the door, and they get some chairs and turn on the lights. And down in their shed, underneath their shed, is a room with a huge window that looks out on a completely alien planet. Ooh, and that's all we know about that. them at the start. I love that. And they, just talk, and they just talk about their day and what they do. They just come down here to talk. And like I say, slow burn takes its time. Not, not action oh, at all, but it is lovely. And you are watching. I am watching. I'm waiting for the second half of the final season of Better Call Saul to drop. Because they got me through, halfway through, this notion that seasons get divided is a new one, and it's torturing. Yes. They, they, I thought I was watching the final season, and they stopped it halfway through. All right, so that I will be watching. I, keep, I tried on the airplane to download the final, this new Bosch Bosch, mm-hmm. Bosch legacy. Leg- legacy. That's it exactly. And Do- I, we call this we, we call it dollar store Bosch. Right? Do- yeah, exactly. So, so you're the one who told me the, the, a different production company, and they clearly don't have the money that they had a re- first time. But it's still good, right? I, I think the, the well, yes. I mean, I love the character. I love Titus Willover playing the character. Yeah, yeah. yeah I do too. So I, do. I will I I will watch him do anything. I think. That, 
missed a huge opportunity, I think, with this one. But there's the second season coming. He does stuff that is just unboshed. Like, this just doesn't uh, fit what they'd established in the show. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, in the, in the, and, and, and the idea of him without authority is interesting because he has he has his own authority we realize of course as a character as a man of you know certain moral uh beliefs but with but without official authority there is something different but it no it's worth watching but i reset your expectation yeah so what i could download for some reason this has nothing to do with i'm not this is not a complaint against the internet it's a complaint against my own usual incompetence but i was able to download the latest michael Connolly novel bosch novel ah. he's still mm -hmm. producing those it's i was in the mood for a summer sort of beach read even though i was on an airplane it's called dead drop Yep. And you know But it's not a Bosch knife. I mean it's mostly Ballard, his new character, right? No, no, no. Well, no, this is definitely Bosch. This is Bosch from beginning to end. Because he's about eighty in the books now. He's, or at least he's am about I mistaken? 75. I thought this was the most recent. I thought this was a brand new although it did it, it's clearly set in some earlier time. Bosch is still okay. vigorous, he's okay. still with the LAPD. Oh, okay. Good. Taxi companies good, good. are involved in this and we never hear of the existence of Lyft or Uber, so it's clearly set in some pre some somewhere good somewhere in good the past. idea and you know what there is a lot to be said for a competent novelist who can handle a police procedural you yes <laughs> you get the Absolutely. crime and then bit by bit who did it why did he do it red herring and michael Connolly is a professional this will not change your life it does not address it doesn't really even attempt to address huge issues of sin and redemption and the state of nah it's a good police procedural competently done and boy is there a lot to be said for that when you're stuck on an airplane that's the great thing about summer you buy I mean, yes. and that's the great thing about authors like Connolly is that it's not a guilty pleasure he's a he's a, he's a very that's, skilled craftsman and, and yes. some and intelligent yes and sometimes he's not a guy you read for the language but he's he's not a guy who doesn't know how to use it and so i've, I've never been disappointed well put, with yes, his very well put. never been disappointed with his books except for the last one i don't like his new character but that's another story that's another podcast maybe we better do that uncommon knowledge books with peter robinson and james lalex where they discuss the genre of by the way who did you compare me to did, did i have to look these people up you said to Anne that i looked like somebody doing peter peter sellers oh, peter sellers i know um impersonating david lynch david lynch i have no idea who that is he was the director of Twin Peaks. He's the director of uh, Straight Story, of uh, Blue Velvet, any number of things. He has a big shock of, 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 of gray hair, which oh, you don't. Well. But he has, he has the glasses. And there's, there was something about when you were in, in shadow somewhat, this, <laughs> this, what you're wearing that you so enticingly took off a little while ago, looked entirely black, like ah, it was some sort of right. something you would expect a, black a, a, all right, all right. a chic L.A. director to wear. That was, that was the whole look. I, I just okay. I thought, I would, thought I would do that. And, well, that is surely, and, uh, the, it is certainly the first and surely the last time I will ever be compared to a chic L.A. director. So, James, I wouldn't I I thank you for that. That's a beautiful way. Now, don't back track on it leave it let it stand I, I want to launch I'll, myself into the weekend with that thought in mind go out buy a silk black shirt <laughs> wear it around with the black glasses people will wonder exactly what new netflix or amazon or hulu or stars thing you got going in the meantime folks um after you you know have gone to ann's thing uh and thank you for listening to that podcast you might want to consider buying yourself a toothbrush they're pretty good quip yeah, it's I, I love them, and you might consider donors trust as well when it comes to your charitable giving. Supporting them helps support us. And join Ricochet today, as Rob will tell you, had the pants sued 
off of the operation and we need we to did nothing wrong no 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 and if you would a five-star review on apple podcast would really help would it kill you to do it i mean we're just lay low don't think so uh your reviews allow other people to re- find the show surfaces it it gets more members that's the way it's supposed to work and we hope it does in the future because episode 600 we're going to be there in a couple of weeks can't wait for 700 what will we be talking about then i have no idea in any case we'll be talking to you if you wish in the comments at ricochet 4.0 peter see you next week next week james i'm off to have a hot dog (laughs) ricochet Join the conversation.